What is the cost of a lead? What is the cost of acquiring a new visitor to our website? Coming to you in your speakers from Dubai to all around the globe. This is James Reynolds Traffic Jam Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. Hello, you're tuned into Traffic Jam. I am James Reynolds and welcome back to the podcast show that teaches you how to get more traffic and build a profitable audience for your website. This is episode number 20. So you may have noticed that the shows have been a little less frequent recently, but I'm glad to say that's all about to change as over the coming weeks, I've got a packed agenda with some very, very exciting guests. Now, I wouldn't normally do this, but I'm going to give you a sneak peek of who's coming up in the next few shows. Firstly, we've got David Seitman Garland. He's from Rise to the Top and the creator of Create Awesome Online Courses. We're going to be talking about becoming a mediapreneur and using paid courses to drive traffic to your site. I'm inviting onto the show Amy Porterfield, who's probably one of the leading influencers in all things Facebook marketing. Um, following that, we've got Melanie Duncan. She's a Pinterest expert from the Online Edge Academy. Um, I've also got coming up Rand Fishkin from Moz.com. Now, if you're into SEO, Rand really needs no introduction. He is a spearhead figure within the community. So that's going to be an exciting show too. And plus I've got Greg Hickman coming up. He's uh, from Mobile Mixed. And of course, we're going to be talking all about mobile marketing with Greg. The Traffic Jam Podcast with James Reynolds. So those are just a small selection of the guests that I've got lined up. And I have kept some big players up my sleeve. So you're going to have to stay tuned to see who they might be. And in fact, Really, if you haven't subscribed yet on iTunes, now is a very good time to do it. Log into your iTunes account, go and search for Traffic Jam and hit the subscribe button because that's going to ensure that you get first access to these interviews as soon as they get posted. So what we got coming up on today's show? Well, today we turn the traffic chat to social media. How do we know if we are doing it well? Should we even be on social media? How do we effectively track results? All leading to the question, how do we maximize what we do on social media platforms? To provide the answers, I've invited onto the show Neil Schaefer, creator of the Ad Age Top 100 global marketing blog, Maximize Social Business. Neil is a global social media speaker and author. And as an author, Neil is best known for his definitive book on social media strategy creation, implementation and optimization, Maximize Your Social, a one-stop guide to building a social media strategy for marketing and business success. And that book's out on Wiley, but he's also published two other award-winning and critically acclaimed social media books, Maximizing LinkedIn for Sales and Social Media Marketing and Windmill Networking, Maximizing LinkedIn. Now, it's another great guest interview. And of course, that's coming right up next. But don't go anywhere after that, as I'll be giving you some more actionable traffic tips in our regular segment, the one minute traffic tip. Plus, of course, we have all of this week's news from the past seven days in traffic in this week's news in traffic. 
I have your feedback in the listener comment section. And of course, we'll end the show as we always do with a traffic jam jam chosen by our guest today. Okay, so let's get stuck right into the content and learn how to maximize your social media with Neil Schaefer. So this is Traffic Jam episode number 20 and joining me today is Forbes top 30 social media power influencer, Neil Schaefer from Maximize Your Social. Neil, a warm welcome to Traffic Jam. Well, thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. Well, Forbes top 30 social media power influencer sounds pretty impressive, but what's it actually mean? Well, Forbes, this is actually their online website, did a survey into, you know, who are the people within the social media industry that seem to have a lot of influence. Now, a lot of your experience in social media marketing, how do you measure influence that people have? And it's obviously very, very hard to do. You can actually read the article that Forbes created, and they used a few different things. And it, it was basically, you know, metrics from uh, things that you can pull in from social media sites. But I am because what I do for a living is social media. Uh, obviously, I'm very active uh, in social media. I've written three books. My third book just came out last week on social media. I speak a lot on social media. I blog. So I think that is, you know, it's representative of how, um, you know, active and uh, your reader base and how many people are actually acting upon what you're writing about. So um, that's how that came about, that you couldn't apply for it. They really <laughs> did their own research and came up with those figures. Well, it's an interesting topic, and I think it's one that we will touch upon in the next sort of 20 minutes or so, because I think being able to measure and understand the effectiveness of your social media is very important. And in fact, I think that's a, probably a question that I might open up to, Neil. None of our listeners are new to social media. Most of them will be doing it to either a greater or lesser extent. How do they actually know if they're doing a good job of it? Yeah, that's really the, the great question. I think that's a question that people are finally starting to ask because they're spinning their wheels on social and saying, you know, it's eating up a lot of time. It may be eating up a lot of resources. Are we getting tangible business benefits from it? And what I've been doing for a living since January of 2010 when I launched my social media strategy consultancy is really helping companies figure it out. And the problem is if you don't have a strategy, you don't have objectives and therefore you don't have metrics to measure how well you're doing, right? So uh, instead of jumping into, hey, how do I audit myself or you know, how do I measure the ROI, I take a step back and go, what were you trying to achieve? And you know, not every obviously a lot of small businesses out there. It's all about generating new business, new leads, what have you. But it's not the same for every business. There's some businesses that already have a majority market share. They want to uh, you know create a deeper connection with their client base. Maybe they want to launch a new product. Uh, it could be for a variety of reasons. So really, without that strategy, and and my book, you know, maximize your social really helps you create that strategy. And when you create the strategy you create the metrics because you're creating the objectives and how will you know if, you've, if you're successful or not. So that's where um, you know, having a strategy, defining an objective, and creating metrics that align with your objective, which is probably the most difficult part because you know, the, uh, the getting a, you know, uh, more followers and a higher average you know, retweet per tweet or average like per Facebook post, that doesn't help you sell product, right? It doesn't yeah. feed into your bottom line. Um, these are uh, what I would call secondary metrics, which do give you an idea as to how effective your social media is purely from a social media perspective. 
But it really comes down to how does it affect your business. And with that in mind, there's no social media dashboard like Hootsuite or Sprout Social or Marketing Suite that's going to be able to give you that answer. You're going to have to um, pull together a lot of data. Now, if you have a if if you're in e-commerce and everything is digital and everything is happening on your site and you have Google Analytics and you have your conversion funnel set up. Obviously, it gets a lot easier to measure this, right? Uh, if you're purely looking at are you converting from your social, but if you're like many businesses that don't have that, uh, you're going to have to get a little bit more creative in how you uh, define those metrics. Good. Well, I'm glad you brought up this whole topic of having a sort of social media strategy or or a roadmap for social media because this to me seems like a slightly fuzzy subject because to me at least I would say that social media is all about having a conversation with your customers and target market and kind of to have a, a strategy at work in a conversation would to me seem kind of inherently antisocial. So what do you actually mean by a social media strategy and what would one actually look like? But yeah, that's a great question. You know, it's funny. Uh, I was on a podcast yesterday and I got asked that same question. <laughs> really? Uh, if, so, if social is dynamic and about people having conversations, how can, you, how can you schedule tweets in advance, right? Isn't that antisocial? And it comes down to this. Social media was made for people, not for businesses. We all know that. So businesses are at a disadvantage. The other disadvantage that businesses have is that they have limited resources and limited time. And they have to answer to how they're spending their time. And therefore, if you're going to be investing any time in social media, just like any other function that you do, it's no different than uh, if you're in HR, if you're in legal, if you're in sales, you have to answer up to how you're spending your time. So uh, that's why in order for companies to really gauge how well they're doing and to control their spend on social. Now, the funny thing with social is it's free, right? So you put people on it and it doesn't look like you're spending money, but people cost money and they cost time. And if you can calculate that, you can start to get an idea, you know, literally in, in dollars and pounds or euros or what have you as to how much money you're spending. And companies are in business to make a profit, right? It's, mm. it's about increasing sales or decreasing expenses. And social can help you do that. But if you don't have that strategy in place, you're just doing it in the blind without knowing how effective you are. And therefore, there are some companies that say, you know what, we did it organically, we're doing great, um, and, and that's fine, right? But for others that are trying to figure out what they can do more in social, you know, get a feel for what you're spending and how much you're making from that and tweak that. And you know, my whole idea about maximize your social is there's so much businesses can do. But social is always changing. It's almost like this never-ending experiment. You know, if I had asked a, a bunch of business people three years ago if they were on Facebook, they would have laughed at me, right? Yeah. And no one's laughing now. Two years ago, Pinterest didn't even exist. Google Plus is obviously gaining more traction. And it, it's just always changing. And therefore, without you know, this data-driven approach that I recommend, um, you're never going to know how well you're doing. You're never going to be able to optimize. And therefore, you may be wasting a lot of time and a lot of money. So, um, it, it's social media is mainstream. It is a business tool. 92% of American companies with 100 or more employees are using social media for marketing. Okay. It's like having a website. It's not some, you know, fringy, Hey, we got to do it to be cool. Um, you know, we, we need to show that we have a lot of likes. It really does come down to integrating social into everything your company does. So, um, you know, I, I think if you had asked me that question two or three years ago, the answer may have been different. I, I don't think the industry is ready, but right now it really is mainstream. And just like, why would you tweak your content for search engines? Um, 
you know, it, it's, isn't that unnatural, but we know that it's a, it, it's a respected practice and we need to do that in order so that Google discovers our, our relevant content, serves it up to a relevant audience. So yeah. I believe in social media, it's really the same thing. So you just said there that somewhere in 90% of large businesses are actively using social. Now, this is probably going to be a bit of a, a 101 question, but is it essential now that as businesses, we are present on social media? I believe it is. Now, when I said that number, and I've spoken you know, in Europe and in Asia, and I understand that, and I'm in Southern California, right? So I understand that the pace of social media and its adoption by people and therefore by businesses is different throughout the world wherever you are, right? Um, you know, there are some countries that are six months behind the U.S., 12 months behind the U.S. There are some that are even if not ahead of the U.S. in some aspects. Um, but at this point, just seeing um, the global usage of social media. Now, I know that there are some sites like Pinterest that aren't as global. LinkedIn is still, uh, it's not US-centric, but I know that there are European countries like Germany that still prefer Zing, this you know, German social network. So uh, I know that some of the platforms are not global, but Facebook and Twitter are global platforms. YouTube is a global platform. And if you think about blogging as a way to give your company a social voice, and to also help your content get discovered, both inside social and outside social, that is something global as well. So assuming that your audience is, is in social and there are benefits for your company to be in social, uh, I would say, yeah, it, it is a requirement. It's almost like having a website. And in fact, you know, a website is a, is a requirement now, right? Yeah. But a website, you're only reaching 75% of the online audience because 25% of the time we're in social. So if you think about it that way, um, yeah, it, it is a requirement to have even a minimal presence. Um, and, you know, I, I wouldn't just set up shop just because you want to keep up with the Joneses and everybody else is setting up shop. I'll stop with that, start with that strategy. But if you're thinking about creating a website, you should be thinking about uh, creating a social presence. Yeah. Well, it's a question I wanted to ask because I hear businesses say, and perhaps rightly so, that why should I invest time and energy and perhaps money, depending on their approach, in social when perhaps going out and doing SEO or buying a bunch of banners on a banner network might get them more immediate traffic and conversion. So um, what would your response be to, to that, Neil? I would say that social media doesn't replace anything. It complements everything. It doesn't exist in a silo. So keep doing what you've been doing. And you know what? If you don't have social media going and your company is still profitable and you're meeting your business objectives, sure, you don't need to be in social, right? But I think that 90% of the companies that I meet want to increase sales, increase profits. They're looking for more ways. So definitely, SEO is not dead. It's more important than ever. Uh, online ads is, is more important uh, than ever as well as we shift to mobile and, and you know we have um, retargeting technology and all these great things coming out that allow us to be more effective with our online ads. So I'd say keep doing it. But I'd also say that right now, the average spend, this is once again in the United States, but the average spend in marketing by companies that are doing it of how much they put aside for social is between 10 and 20%. So if you were skeptical, okay, don't even start at 10%. Take a few percent of your marketing budget. And you don't even need to add money. Take a few percent out of SEO and or PPC, right? And, you know, experiment. You're yeah. never going to know how successful you'd be. Into and, you know, paid social, you brought up the term, James. I bring it up in my book. I'm a huge fan of paid social. I think that Social ads are one of the most underutilized aspects of social media marketing, and I've, I've seen companies be extremely effective at a relatively low price depending on their objective. So if you want to start somewhere, maybe that's where you start. 
Got it. Good. Okay, so we've got our strategy down. We've decided we're going to invest a little bit of money in it and, and dip our toes in social. What KPIs do you recommend that businesses track? And I am aware it might be different depending on that strategy to kind of understand whether it's working for them or not. Yeah, and here's the thing, right? And and it, it comes down to there's there's no cookie cutter approach to social. So every company's strategy is going to be different. And because every company has a different objective, their KPIs are going to be different as well. So it's hard to say this is one universal KPI. But at the end of the day, for instance, the easiest to understand uh, example is if you're an e-commerce site and you're tracking your conversions, where they're coming from, you know that you have conversions coming from organic search and therefore there's the ROI or SEO. You have conversions coming from your ads and, and you have an expense that there's your ROI. Well, now you're, you're going to hopefully start to get conversions, if not leads, that are coming from the different social media sites where you have a presence and or you have ads on, right? Yeah. And that's you know the easiest way to track it is there. Um, but you know for some companies, it's not just about the conversion. It's also how do we generate more website traffic? How do we get more leads? What is the, um, what is the cost of a lead? What is the cost of acquiring a new visitor to our website? And if you have those statistics, and once again, this is, it may not be as relevant for, um, for sites that don't have e-commerce, but if you have those metrics and you start getting active in social, I think you can pretty easily and quickly uh, you know, create, some, uh, cre- create some analogies as to, okay, I'm doing this and now I'm seeing this effect of it. Uh, you know, I've met with small business owners and you know, the CEOs saying, what's the ROI of social? And I'm like, what's the ROI of your print ads? What's the ROI of your website? What's the ROI of all the other advertising that you're doing? And a lot of companies have never tracked that ROI, yeah. believe it or not. So it, you know, social, when you start to look at it, is extremely trackable in certain aspects. Now, there are a lot of different aspects that aren't trackable, that are intangible, that are also beneficial to your company. But if you really want to you know, go for the jugular and go for that, you know, what's going to be the specific ROI KPI, that's some place to look at. And if you're a B2B company, and you have a, you know, a conversion form on your site, where are people coming from, right? If you start to blog and you see people coming from your blog content moving over to your conversion form, whether it's you know, generating a, a lead from a, a white paper download, a webinar registration, you can quickly start to paint a picture as to how much social uh, is generating leads for you as well. So um, I think that's really the easiest, most intuitive and you know, practical way of understanding the potential of tracking all this. Yeah. And I'll tell you something interesting. If I typically log into my analytics and I look at my conversions and I go down to the multi-channel conversion report, in a large percentage of cases, social has had some sort of influence on someone converting on my site. You know, it might be a small part. It might have started the, the stream of traffic. It might have been the final kind of step that caused them to convert. But social does play a big influence. And my business is a B2B business. It's not a typical kind of um, business business on which you would expect social to be a major influence. So I'm sure it's at work there in most businesses, whether we actually know it or not. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, social touches so much these days. Um, I I often get asked, where do I get my leads? So I'm B2B as well. And I don't know where people find me on social because usually they find me on on multiple platforms. They may have gone to the blog, went to my Twitter stream, um, check me out on LinkedIn. So yeah, it's, you know, if we're spending 25% of our time in social when we're online, then chances are if we have you know, multi-channel touches, one out of every four touches is going to be a social touch somewhere. And so many people really, you know, to check out your business, they really are looking at your social media profiles. They're looking at your Facebook page, your 
your LinkedIn company page. And, um, you know, in, in the B2B, we call it solution selling. I was, my background is, is B2B enterprise, you know, sales, biz, dev, and marketing. And, and in solution sales, you know, you're trying to find a solution and pitch a solution to your client based on asking them questions and x-raying their budget and finding out all this information. Well, that's been flipped on its head because now when someone is contacting us, James, chances are that the data is that 56% of the deal of all the due diligence has already been done because our prospective customers are researching the heck out of us with all this data that's available online. I think that's the same for any business out there. Yeah, well, it has. It's turned its its head. We used to be in the powerful position as the business because we could kind of retain some sort of black box and you know secure information yep. away from the customer. But it's all in their hands now, right? I mean, everything is available yep. to them if they want to dig a little bit and find it out. Well, that's the analogy I use in my book because you know when I was doing B two B technology sales, and I you know I I lived in Japan for fifteen years. So I was selling to Asian consumer electronic manufacturers, and yeah, they wanted. They contacted me, the salesperson, because they knew if they wanted to get access to the technology, it was my FAE, my field application engineer, who had the demos, who had the knowledge. They wanted to get access to that knowledge, right? Well, now that knowledge with content marketing, there's a heck of a lot of knowledge that's out there. They don't need – the salespeople are not the gatekeeper anymore, right? Um, They'll be able to find that out on their own. Cool. All right. Well, let's move forward from there. We've we've talked about some – sort of platforms in in passing and there are so many platforms out there many of which we've covered here on traffic jam how does a business go about identifying which playing field they should be playing on great question and I, you know i think with social whether it's how you use it inside your organization or where you uh, establish shop really to think holistically right so obviously it comes down to where is your target audience um, if we look at the stats of where you know Fortune 500 companies here in the U.S. are are uh, are investing in social, Twitter is actually the platform that gets the most investment, more than Facebook, more than YouTube. Uh, and it's interesting because Twitter is in itself a search engine. It is a real-time search engine. There was some data that suggested it was getting about as many searches on it or as many search queries on it as a YouTube would. So. I think you know if I was going to create a social media strategy for you and you were B2B or B2C, Twitter would probably play a role in it because it's where the media is, it's where people are looking for news, um, it generates a lot of referral traffic and what have you. So I think you know the, the, um, the no-brainer for most businesses, and I will name a lot of different platforms, and you don't need to be on all these platforms, you're going to need to decide which are more relevant to your business. You know, If you're B2C, Facebook is a no-brainer. If you're B2B, LinkedIn is a no-brainer. Uh, you know, Twitter, I believe, uh, both um, both B2B and B2C should be on. Um, and then we get into a blog. I think every company should have a blog as part of their social media strategy. I, I think that of the Fortune 500, only one-third of companies are blogging. But I would recommend that for B2B as well as B2C as well. YouTube also. I wouldn't be creating new videos on a weekly basis, but YouTube can be extremely beneficial for both B2B and B2C as well. Um, and with blogs and Twitter, I would also throw Google Plus in there as another channel that I think that every company that believes that Google is important to them, that that should have a role in. And then you get to other networks. And well, the only other networks out there, there's a bunch of fringe networks, obviously. The only other major networks that I would bring up are Pinterest and Instagram. Mm. Uh, Pinterest, if you're, if you're B2C, I mean, go to Pinterest. Look at if you press in the top left-hand corner, you do a search, you see all the different categories. Is your product pinnable? Do you have a product that is consumer-facing that, is, that um, provides inspiration to the female demographic that's on Pinterest? And if not, 
don't spend your time there. Although I do see B2B companies experimenting and, and some are successful, but really that's what Pinterest comes down to. And Instagram gets even more difficult because there's no direct linkage. You can't click on a link from Instagram and go anywhere like you can on Pinterest. So um, I think Instagram is, uh, is more for consumer-facing brands, especially if, if mobile is your focus. It's a very, very young demographic. So Pinterest and Instagram would be sort of the, you know, the, the, the special ones. But within all these platforms that I talk about, you have limited resources uh, the easy thing to do, and it, I do this a lot with Twitter when you know I have skeptical business owners saying, you know, I don't care what you ate for breakfast. I go, okay, let's let's put in some keywords that are relevant to your company, relevant to your industry. Put in some competitor keywords and see what comes up. And every single time I do this, they're always shocked that you know their competitor is tweeting has a relevant audience, or people are t- talking about things that are important to their business. So with any of these social networks, do a search. Yeah, and if you see a lot of conversations, you see your competitors there. You're going to get a good idea that you should probably that there's a potential uh, to have a conversation that could lead to something there. Cool, good. Well, let's have a conversation now about who should actually be doing the social media management because in your book, Maximize Your Social, recently published on Wiley, I'll get that little credit in there. <laughs> you say that businesses <laughs> should not drop a chunk of cash on a social media consultant. Instead, they should manage their own social media. Why do you advocate businesses do it themselves and not outsource it, Neil? Well, when I started my consultancy in January of 2010, I was approached by four different businesses here in Southern California that wanted me to help them with their social media. And I decided at the time that the right thing to do was, just like any other function, uh, was to help them become self-sufficient at doing that. So um, I still think there's a need for consultants to come in at a strategic level and at an education level in terms of training. But I do think that, you know, it's established of, of outsourcing some work. Um, you know, for instance, advertising agencies. Advertising agencies uh, have incredible creative edge. Uh, know what consumers want, have a lot of experience, can replicate your message in a way that can generate business. And I mean, you could say the same for social, but social is a little bit different in that it's a lot more frequency, a, a higher frequency of sending messages out. And at the end of the day, it really does represent your brand on a day in and day out basis to a huge amount of people. So I really believe that it becomes an integral part of a company's brand and therefore, for a company to tell the best story, it has to come internally. It's like me when I was in sales, you know, whenever I had the CEO come out uh, and we went to a customer, the CEO was always able to tell these stories of how we helped out our early customers, how our company was founded, what are we doing with other clients around the world. And, you know, it, it's that storytelling, which is the heart of what companies are trying to do in social. And it really comes down to, you know, being able to tell an authentic and transparent story. Um, I think a lot of people are are switching off to sort of speak that is very markety and is not authentic, especially yeah. younger generations. So, so yeah, not to say that there isn't a role. I know that there's probably agencies that are listening to this podcast. Not to say that there isn't a role. There's a need to coordinate all this activity. There is a need to create a lot of content that some companies just can't do. So I tell companies, look, if you can't create all the content, and we have the the advent of content marketing agencies. Work with a great agency that can help you, but make sure that you revoice that content in your brand voice and make sure that you own the strategy and you're in control of what type of content is being created. Um, but that, you know, it goes through a quality control check, it goes through a revoice check for your brand. And I think it can be extremely effective using agencies to help you scale your social media. So 
Um, there's an ideal, but unless you're a huge company with lots of resources, it, it's hard for you to do uh, everything internally if you want to do if you want to scale very quickly in social. So there's a role that agencies can play. At the minimum, companies need to own the strategy. Yeah. You can't give up your strategy. You know what your business objectives are. Don't listen to anyone else. Uh, you know, work with a consultant to help you create that strategy or, or read Maximize Your Social to create one. Um, but then from there, that, that means you're in control. And therefore, when you work with an agency and they're working aligned with your strategy, it, it's going to be a much better and, and a longer term relationship for everybody, I believe. Good. And how would a company go about identifying a suitable person internally to manage it if they have that resource available to them? Yeah, another great question. And, and I would encourage more companies to do this. You know what? Ask. You know, social media is a wonderful thing, and a lot of people are very, very passionate about it. Uh, there's some people who, like us, w- want to do social media for their career, um, looking for opportunities. So, you know, I, I always tell people, um, especially you have a lot of people marketing or PR, hey, we're going to start doing social. What should we do? Ask people internally. They're, you know, your HR people may want to get involved with social recruiting. Your, your customer service people may be looking for a way to use Twitter. I don't know, but once you start internal conversations, everybody has a pretty good opinion about social. Uh, you may get good ideas of how to um, you know, collaborate internally, and undoubtedly, you're probably going to find people that will want to play a role in it. Um, now, just because they're passionate doesn't mean that they're going to be good at that role, because as we know, using social media from a professional perspective is very <laughs> different than using it from a personal perspective. Uh, and what I've found with companies when they, want, they didn't want to go that route, they wanted to literally say, Neil, who should we pick? I tell people the customer service people are usually really good because they're in a customer-facing role. They're used to dealing with customers that have difficult situations. They know your products, and they're used to getting things done internally when there's a problem. Yeah. That is almost an ideal you know, type of person. But that's like the outward-facing community manager. On the inside, you still need content. That person may not have the skill set for the content. That may be a different person. So in an ideal world, you have sort of an outward-facing socialite customer support community manager and on the flip side you have someone that's really good at copywriting and writing content that would be the ideal organization excellent well let's wrap up with a couple of topics and the first one i want to quickly ask you about is paid social media traffic we touched upon it just briefly earlier can you still get results with pure organic social or is there a real need now to amplify it with some form of paid uh, social advertising it's getting more and more important for companies to supplement their organic social with paid social. We, we all know what Facebook has done. And now, obviously, Twitter has been doing it for a while. LinkedIn now has promoted posts showing up in our news feeds as well. So it really comes down to when you have a strategy um, and you create your KPIs and you benchmark how well you're doing with your competitors, you, you create certain metrics, right? And you're monitoring those metrics. And if you don't feel that your social is as effective as it could be, that's when you may want to consider supplementing it with a little bit of paid. The, the problem with social is people don't scale, but mm. paid social scales could scale very, very quickly if you have the budget. And, and it's funny, I was on a, um, a podcast recently with Michael Stelzner of Social Media Examiner, and, and he's, you know, why would we want to pay money? I'm like, look, what is, what is $100 of your time worth? Okay, If you could get 200 clicks at 50 cents a click in an extremely relevant audience on Facebook, uh, how much value does that have to your business? It probably has a lot more than the hundred dollars that you think your hour may be worth. For instance, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm sure James, you charge a heck of a lot more than a hundred, like I do. But anyway, as an example, <laughs> um, so so that's where it comes down to that paid social can be extremely effective because 
you have the ability to target uh, individuals or, or businesses in a way that's just never been possible. And to not take advantage of that, I think you miss out on the opportunities and think what happens when your competitors start to take advantage of that. So if you haven't, you know, it's one big experiment. If you haven't experimented with paid social, you should. And if you have those KPIs and say, you know what, we're doing great organically, we're, you know, we're hitting our numbers and what have you, that's great. But if you ever want to know how to maximize your social, you really need to have a paid component right now. Um, now, it, it's funny because you can't advertise in all the social networks, but when I was in Japan, I saw Google AdWords ads for Google Plus pages, right? So you can get pretty creative about this. Nice. Um, Pinterest, yeah, nice, right? Pinterest just started ads. Um, they're only doing it with a few different brands, but there's no reason why you couldn't have a pin me ad in Google AdWords, right? So that's what I love about social media. It's that creative aspect, right? All the advertising agencies who have the creative zen, you know, every business can do that now um, in their own paid social as well as organic social and do some wonderful things to engage with their audience. So, um, yeah, um, we'll see how much more important paid come, becomes. But just since I've seen Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn release their advertising platforms um, and they become more mainstream, I don't see people leaving Facebook because of ads. I see some people grumbling, but I think uh, it's successful. And I think once it's successful and you have these companies that have IPOs like Twitter pretty soon, um, they're going to need to increase their profits. And if Facebook is already at a point of saturation, you're probably going to see more advertising uh, rear, you know, uh, appear in the network. Um, and I think it's going to be great for companies. There's going to be more exciting opportunities. Um, but as long as there's no backlash, uh, you know, you're going to be needing to do more and more paid social just to keep up with the Joneses in essence. Yeah, and ramp things up. It's difficult to play right when you're trying to just get started and you've just got a, a few fans. It's hard to get any sort of reach so um, yeah I think using that paid element just to get things moving that bit quicker for you is is, is becoming almost essential so yep. Neil let me wrap up with one question you of course consult with a lot of companies and I'm sure you did plenty of research for your recent book what are some of the big mistakes that you see businesses make because I want to know about the real bloopers that you've witnessed wow um, it's funny. I was just asked to contribute to a, uh, a, a an ebook uh, about LinkedIn, and and one of the questions was what are the what are the the uh, the big uh, mistakes that marketers make? And you know, LinkedIn is something I've written two books about, so I could go on and on about all the mistakes I see there. I think obviously, you know, the biggest mistake is that companies not aligning their social media presence with their business objectives. Right? It's it's that lack of strategy is obviously the the biggest problem, and. If you're in that boat, you're not alone. I think 80% of businesses, if not more, are are sort of in that boat. So that's, you know, what are you trying to do? I think the second thing is not responding. Um, and mm. it's really just common sense. But I see a lot of companies that have presence. As you go to their Facebook page, they have, you know, fans asking questions and they're not responding, right? Yeah. Or, um, you know, you tweet at them and there's just no response. If you're a huge brand that gets, you know, a thousand tweets a day, I understand. But if you're a smaller business, there really is, you know, no excuse because with every conversation you can have in social, you can start to leverage the potential word of mouth marketing by, you know, uh, followers seeing the conversation. Um, when you like someone's comment or you respond, it comes in their Facebook notifications, what have you. So it really is sort of social media one-on-one, but it, it is forgotten about, and, and that's another thing. I think the other uh, thing that I see a lot here in the United States is that companies are still operating in social media as if it was 2010, 2011. They haven't looked at Google+, Plus, Pinterest, Instagram. 
which are you know the, the next three emerging social networks that I think if you're an e-commerce, Pinterest is extremely important. Um, Instagram, depending on your uh, your audience. Uh, and then Google Plus really is important for every business that considers Google or wants to become friends with Google. It's it it really is a no brainer to get a verified profile and and to map out your digital properties yeah. uh, with using your Google Plus profile. So those are you know I could go on and on about the mistakes. <laughs> those are some of the, the big and I think really companies' misunderstanding of Google Plus as not just a social network but a social layer is another huge mistake that ninety percent of businesses I talk to. Um, are doing. I mean, you know, if you're on Twitter and you're tweeting three or four times a day, why can't you take that over to Google Plus and replicate it? It, it you know, even at a minimum, right? Yeah. Um, you can you can reap the benefits. So that is uh, those are uh, a few tips for for those of you that are listening. Excellent, Neil. That's been absolute marketing gold. Um, thank you so much for that. Where should our listener go and find out more about you? Well, uh, the name of my book, Maximize Your Social, is also the name of my website. So go to MaximizeYourSocial.com. You can download a free excerpt of the book. The book was published by Wiley, so uh, it's available internationally uh, in hardcover as well as in uh, ebook, you know, Kindle, Nook, uh, iTunes, whatever you may have. And I also run a blog called Maximize Social Business, which I founded, that has about 20 different contributors on a wide variety of social media for business topics. And I blog there as well. So MaximizeYourSocial.com maximizesocialbusiness.com. Excellent. And listener, you'll get links to both of those websites within the show notes of episode 20 of Traffic Jam. So head on over to the website for that. Neil Schaefer, maximizeyoursocial.com. Thanks for joining us on Traffic Jam. Thank you very much for the opportunity, James. It was a lot of fun. And uh, I wish everybody the best of luck in maximizing your social. This week's news in traffic. Well, if you're an app developer, Facebook have added some options allowing you to display customized calls to action within your ads promoting your app on Facebook. Now, these options include general actions like use app and more specific ones such as shop now, book now or listen now. Now, behind the scenes, as an advertiser, you can now deep link to a specific area inside the app itself. These new calls to action, which are to be used in targeting users who have already downloaded your app, should help encourage engagement. And in some cases, if you have an app that sells something, drive sales too. Google is believed to be working on a new and anonymous way for advertisers to track what website visitors like based on the sites they have visited. The anonymous identifier for advertising being referred to as Ad ID would be an alternative to the third party cookies currently used by advertisers to serve relevant personalized adverts. So how would this work? Well, according to the Daily Mail, under the plans, when a person visits a site, an anonymous ad ID would be sent to advertisers and advertising networks that have signed up to the system. These advertisers would have to adhere to a set of basic guidelines about what they can and can't track and how they can and can't use the information they are sent. Now, only advertisers who stick to the guidelines would be given the IDs and if they break the terms and conditions, they would lose access to them. Now, users may be able to create secondary ad IDs for when they want to keep their browsing history private. 
It is also thought that the system will be opt-in, similar to the current way that cookies are handled, and people can disable the tracking at any time. Lastly, and going back to Facebook, it's as if they knew what our topic of conversation was today on the interview with Neil because they've made some changes to Facebook page insights so you can better understand and track the effectiveness of your Facebook marketing. If you haven't checked those updates out yet, log into your Facebook account and look at the new insights section. A thank you and a shout out to Ben Lenoy from the United Kingdom, who gave me a really nice five star iTunes review this week. And he said, James gives real time tips that work through seeing everyday results from his own business. His credibility and passion allows him to interview some of the internet marketing greats every week. Gaining traffic and customers online no longer needs to be guesswork. Essential listening for any budding or established internet marketer. So thank you, Ben. I really do appreciate you dropping by iTunes and leaving me a review. To you, the listener, I would really appreciate your review and rating as well. So please log into iTunes, click on the review and ratings tab and leave your review along with a star rating for the show. Whatever you feel it deserves, five stars, four stars, even three stars. I really would appreciate that. The one minute traffic tip. Okay, so Google have made searches encrypted, meaning no keyword data now gets passed into Google Analytics. So how do you know what keyword searches bring traffic to your website and are good targets for SEO? Well, the answer is Google Webmaster Tools. Now, Google Webmaster Tools can be installed in a similar fashion to Google Analytics. You'll first need to create a Google Webmaster account and then add the unique code provided to your website. From Webmaster Tools, you'll be alerted to any problems Google find with your site, but additionally, you get to see how many times your site shows up in the search results for a particular keyword search, plus how many clicks it got and the average position your site ranks for any given phrase. Now, if you use this data effectively, you can spot high potential keywords that are good targets for an SEO campaign. So what are you looking for? Well, A, you want to find keywords with a high number of impressions. B, you want to make sure those keywords are relevant. And C, you rank well for those phrases already, but you're not on the top half of page one. Now, once identified, you can create more content on your site themed around these keywords to make your site relevant and then power up those pages with a reputable SEO agency, perhaps someone like my agency, SEO Sherpa or similar. That will move those good potential keywords from a strong position up to the high positions where you'll get all of the traffic. Okay, so that rounds out episode number 20. I'll be back again real soon with another episode of Traffic Jam for your listening pleasure. For more tips and training to help you get more traffic, leads and sale from your website, check out the latest post at veravo.com which is V-E-R-A-V-O.com. Some of the most recent posts for you there are crafting your user's journey, how relevance can increase your SEO rank and your conversions. 
We've got mobile site design must have tips on creating compelling and high converting landing pages for your mobile website. Plus, I've got a whole report on Hummingbird, the new algorithm from Google, what has changed and how it affects you. So head on over to viravo.com for those posts. To close out this week's episode, we have a musical jam, which of course is chosen by my guest today, Neil Schaefer. It's his favourite band, Jamiroquai, who happened to be one of my favourite bands too, Neil. So great choice in music. The track is called Virtual Insanity. And as I said, it's by Jamiroquai. Enjoy. Yeah. 
You've been listening to the Traffic Jam Podcast with James Reynolds. To know more about this program and to subscribe for future episodes, check out the website, trafficjamcast.com.